0: So, in a sense, what we have read uh, in the previous section: each time a great being comes upon Earth, he comes to bring a greater light. But humanity, instead of making the effort to ascend to that light or embrace that light, it tries to limit it within its own cabins, and the result is a crystallized religion. So. The moment it becomes a crystallized formal religion, it tends to change into a political power system. So you have head priest and priest and local uh, goons, whatever I mean, and then ultimately you have, uh, yeah. Uh, see, ultimately, <laughs> I have experienced entering. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, for want a better word, sometimes they will. Uh, it's almost like money extortion. I felt so bad. Once going in to one of the temples in uh, Dakshineshwar, I felt very bad. Such a powerful personality of Sri Ramakrishna. So anyways, every religion has suffered the same fate. And um, by religion, we should know uh, it is nothing to do with Dharma. I not only say it is not Dharma, it is nothing to do with Dharma. This conception is entirely Western, this religion aspect which is to reduce things into a formal ritual practice and then to build a hierarchical structure through which the human soul must strugglingly navigate to get the grace of the being up above. This is not an Indian conception at all. So people say, but in Indian conception also you have uh, worship and rituals and all that. That, Sri explains in Foundations, It was done because we understood that human beings (laughs) move through different stages and gradations. And so there is something catered for those who are still ignorant and want to indulge only in externalities. (laughs) If you ask a person, sit early morning (laughs) and sit for meditation, most people take it as a... uh, you know, unnecessary or they, they tallow it. But if you say, Subhaut ke Agarbati jala dena hai, they do it. So it is to preserve for a certain kind. But it was always understood that the man who is doing Agarbati and diya and going to the temple, is subordinated to the, is, is inferior to the man who is meditating and who is, you know, realizing the Divine. And he who is realizing the divine was greater than the one who was just reading the scriptures. So, there, there was it was always understood that these are stages of a great ascension. That was the saving grace. And every time a new revelations could come, there was scope for that. That <laughs> masters will keep coming and that's wonderful. It's not like, you know, one master came and that's the end of the story. So, but this is what is the story up till now. That Every time a great light has come, these are mother's words, uh, <coughs> humanity has reduced it to its own level of understanding. So it sees that the great being was sitting in, uh, you know, Vajrasan or whatever asana and has given importance to that and not to the inner state. And that's how religions are formed. So, this is what we read. Now we are on page 8, beginning, right? Mm. But here the Divine Mother and Shurabindo have come armed. Now that's where the story begins to change. So they know this, this is old fiasco. And (coughs) so, two things the Mother and Shurabindo have done one is that they they knew and they said, I I don't want to. Give my sanction to the old fiasco. This one thing. Second, world over, the mother makes it very clear, the age of religions is over. So whether you like it or not, yes, yes it won't last. It's the spirit of time. <coughs> if I am right, most of the churches in Europe and England are empty. Ah. They are turning into pups. They are turning into pubs and uh, what Why? we have. Yeah, there is yeah. a conversation by the new pope with the old pope, where he goes and telling it the uh, amount of people then coming I mean, inside is reducing. We need to do a major change in the system of church. Otherwise, we will have one fourth of them left by 2015. Yeah, so because. No, because see. Uh, no, 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 that, that, is, that is because people see the moment. That's that that's that's for I see when people after all, God provides a base for goodness now that base has gone, so what happens is people take naturally towards a leftist communist thought you will see that in that entire belt intellectual leftist thought, its origin is like that. then what about the Islamist now that movement has begun even in Islam that people are beginning to question leave and Again, you see that that turned towards leftist. This is the tendency. So, you'll see that very easy for leftist, Islamist blocs to come together, uh, which is very strange because one doesn't believe in God and one is uh, crazy. crazy. Not crazy about God, but will blow up everything in the name of his God. So, so the thing is, this these are transitions happening throughout the world. And uh, sooner or later, this will be the fate. But uh, within India, also many changes will take place. But because of the, uh, you know, we have seen all these upheavals and still kept to the, because Sanatan Dharma is like that. There is a tremendous plasticity and wideness in it, inbuilt. So it is bound to take a new course. So Srivendan Dharma, Using the base of sanatana Dharma, have come to <coughs> have come to give a new step, add a new step in the ladder. So, but for that to to build the step, they must build the bridge from the human consciousness, and that's why she has to identify with our humanity. That's what. <coughs> Last two lines, or last line, The mortals' lot became the immortals' share. So she identifies with our humanity to build the bridge. (laughs) Thus trapped in the jinn of earthly (laughs) destinies, Awaiting her odials, our abode, Outcast from her inborn felicity, (laughs) accepting life's obscure terrestrial robe, hiding herself even from those she loved, the Godhead greater by human fate. People have this idea of uh, yogis that they don't uh, have any problems, you know. Uh, someone <laughs> say, mm, even with mother, you know, they used to f- feel, uh, how, how did mother fall sick? Today someone was asking me, how did mother fall sick? I said, she took upon herself the sickness of, how would she find a rem- remedy? Uh, all this Sri describes later on in great detail. So, the, uh, the conception we have about... Uh, Divinity is that it will never have these things. Now the reason why some saints manage it is because they rise above earthly nature and station themselves there. Then they don't plunge into it. So they carefully keep away all those things which can contaminate or... Whereas the Divine accepts everything. He says, come, come, come. To whatever extent, and he keeps swallowing the poison and takes in, inhales all the human wickedness, misery, everything and keeps returning compassion, love, uh, beauty, goodness because that's what is the divine. So this is the difference between an avatar and a <laughs> typical traditional yogi. If a yogi wants, he can stay away. But an avatar has no choice but to embrace and accept. this. Is the so she also now has come, and she has come to uh, change humanity. So she must become human, accept all the human misery, all the human troubles. And there is a very cryptic line here. The Godhead greater by a human fate. How does the Godhead become greater by human fate? Godhead is great in His majesty and splendor, but there is something which is <laughs> missing, which only through the experience of matter you can arrive at. That is not only progress, of course the Gods can't progress, that is true, but there is an unfolding going on from within matter. And unless you unite the two, you cannot have the completeness of truth. Yes. You will always have truth which is disconnected. That's why in the Isha Upnishad we have those lines that those who go into the light alone, they go into a darkness. Uh, those who live in the multiplicity, they live in darkness. Those who seek after knowledge alone, they plunge as if into a greater darkness. So, uh, he comes to join and this, that is the greatness. It, he, it's a complete experience, completeness of the cycle. This mother describes in great detail at several places. Now comes what is the difference between an ordinary humanity and an extraordinary superhumanity of tomorrow. A dark foreknowledge separated her from all of whom she was the star and stay. It reminds me of uh, the event of 5th December. See, <laughs> the Divine Mother knew. <laughs> One year back, in 1949, Shura had said, One of us (laughs) will have to leave. Page eight. One of us will have to leave. And he said that you will have to stay on and fulfill the Yoga of Transformation. Many (laughs) indications. Now, mother had to play a double role. One is to accept what it would have meant upheaval in their lives on the it's not easy, even if you look at it, assuming the entire charge of this entire field, of course, Sherbindo is there working from behind in another dimension, but at the material level, she has to now take care at the same time she has to all the people are turning to her for help. She says says, later on, earlier it was so easy for me. When people would come and tell me, I would just say, Lord, you take care. (laughs) But now, she is the embodied being upon earth. So she can't do that. On the other hand, she has to conceal from the children what Shura has planned, decided. So (laughs) she has that foreknowledge, but she keeps it. And there is a very interesting description. On 24th November, the only indication was that there was a little... People were asked to a little bit hurry through. The crowd was asked to hurry through. Darshandi. Yes. No. Uh, On 24th November, 1950, they hurried through. Then 2nd December, there was the playground. All the program. Everything was going on. Nobody had any indication that Shorabindu decided to withdraw. But this is the greatness of the great that they will not disclose that what's going on inside. And because they, they are so washed as the ocean, they carries, their heart is so full of compassion. So a dark foreknowledge separated her. <coughs> and see how... <coughs> Too great to impart the peril and the pain. In her tone depths, she kept the grief to come. Uh, too great to impart the peril and the pain. <laughs> Just look at this line. No, she. Yeah, she, she. Knowing Satyavan is going to die and she has to take the challenge, she doesn't tell her in-laws or her parents, nobody. She keeps it all within her. Why make others miserable? That is the greatness about not sharing the pain. Those who are really great because they know that anyways I have to go through what I have to go through. But why should I add the burden of others? Because she has come to reduce the burden and she is the strength. So... <laughs> In her toned depths, she kept the grief to come. And a beautiful image now, interesting image. As one who watching over men left blind, takes up the load of an unwitting race, harboring a foe whom with her heart she must feed. Unknown her act, unknown the doom she faced, Unhelped, she must foresee and dread and dare. Now, who is the foe? Very interesting, see this line. Takes up the load of an unwitting race. When blind people are given to her, take charge of them. What charge? You have to take them on a marathon. (laughs) Blind, they don't know. What is the way, direction, nothing. And if they have to run a marathon, all this whole race. So, blind race. But then comes this line harboring Unwitting race Harboring a foe Whom with her heart she must feed So among them In this humanity There are those who are opposing The very plan of the Godhead What she has come to do And she can't discard them Them also she has to feed with her heart's love <coughs> So has to feed. Yes, yes Judah So she has to do that <coughs> The long, foreknown and fatal morn was here. So now you see he is connecting the whole epic. Morning has come, she has woken up and today is the day. Now the whole thing is building up. So finally that morning has come on which day Satyavan must die. Bringing a noon that seemed like every noon. Now again, very interesting line. That morning has come; it's noon time. Nobody knows. We human beings are, you know. Shubhendra describes in Ilion the day that Trojan War is going to take place, and there will be chaos and disaster. So he describes that he watches from top that uh, this city has been built with so much love, care by the past gods, and when he leans, he sees the mother saying bye-bye to the children who are going to school. Then he sees that, uh, you know, there are farmers working in the fields and they are saying, come back in the evening. Then warriors who are ready and and, uh, they embrace and song, and yeah, yeah, I am going to come back, keep this dinner ready. None of them knows that tonight Troy will burn. So he watches because he is, he, is one of, he is the great God. So he watches all this. And for a moment he looks at all this and then impassively he goes back and gives this sanction. Yes, this is how it should be. Now, How do we understand the play of the gods? So this is because a new creation has to come up. So they have looked beyond that. But we have a limited vision. The long foreknown and fatal morn was here. For nature walks upon her mighty way unheeding when she breaks a soul, a life, leaving her slain behind she travels on. See twenty six eleven Leaving her nature. One day and you know people enjoying somebody's parting. Movies made on that and, you know, people are, somebody is expecting a guest in the evening to go home. They have so many commitments, things, plans of today, tomorrow and the future. Suddenly smashed. But at the end, you know what remains of all that? Some tales of exceptional courage and heroism. That survives. That is something you cannot destroy. And equally some tales of utter cowardice which is a lesson for humanity but nature has walked giving a sanction or a tornado comes people are swept away so this nature walking like this mother was asked that uh, <coughs> about all these catastrophes and she said you know my child you our human consciousness is very small so we think oh this happened for me to give me this lesson She said, but nature is very vast. Her movements are on a much vaster scale, like that of the gods. So, you know, they are not... Then she gives a very interesting example. She says, when you walk on the road, do you pay attention to how many ants you are crushing below your feet? We don't. This was exactly what um, Guru Nanak Dev had told hua? How could you be whipped and put in the jail? You are a man of God. He says, don't question God. But you explain to me, I have a doubt. Okay, you sleep tonight, tomorrow I will tell you. And next he says, by the way, how many ants do you know? He says, no, I don't know. He said, that is how when the divine afflatus moves... Mahabharata or world wars. But at the end, few things survive. And frankly, they were the things worth surviving. They are the gains of the race through all that. The race grows stronger through all these events. So when nature moves, it doesn't take you. Oh, that person. But there are individual survival stories. Those who are in contact with something beyond nature. I know this kidarnath whole thing. Yeah. So... Apne Anand bhai, he had survived. There are stories of survival where most unexpectedly people survived. Because you are in contact with something beyond. So that takes care of you. But as far as nature is concerned, humanity, we think uh, as a human being, all the constituents of our body and mind and (laughs) vital are supplied by nature. And even if you take material nature which breaks the body, Our body is constituted by material nature. But material nature is not just constituting our body, but all the human bodies, animal body, plant body, rocks and minerals and ocean, all this is material nature. (coughs) And imagine its energy and vastness and power. So when it moves, actually, to appreciate that movement, one has to see some of the pictures in retrospect. When you look at, you know, this tsunami wave, Yes, okay. snapshot. From up in building, you feel it's either Kalis with flowing ears, dark ears. So, uh, yes, to appreciate those movements, you need a vast consciousness. <coughs> <laughs> so, nature moves. <coughs> Man only marks, and God's all seeing eyes. Man only says this happens. Marks. <laughs> Thick mark. It was tsunami. <laughs> or God's all-seeing eyes. Of course, here, later on, he'll describe at length why destructions are necessary. All this. <laughs> he'll describe it, no. Several places he will describe it. Dest- at one place, <coughs> you know, Bombs, uh, bombshells, and all that is going on, terrorism. Uh, These in book two, there is canto eight and canto nine, canto seven and canto eight. There, Surabindu describes descent into the world of darkness. So, at the end, piercing through falsehood, he discovers why all this is permitted. So, there is, uh, you know, he, he, he foresees bomb cells, uh, ridden bodies, uh, people chanting that, oh, I have won, uh, we have won, we have slain our enemies. And uh, priests chanting the dooms that, see, we have slain our enemies, God will be so happy with us. All that he describes. And then he writes at the, toward the later part, he discovered what he saw after all this. He saw in destruction, creation's hasty pace. Death as a cellar in the house of life and hell as a shortcut to heaven's gate. Now, you know, there are practical examples of this destruction, creation's hasty pace. Two places where I went (laughs) this uh, December, one was WISACC. Vizek after Hudhud is no more the Vizek before Completely changed. All the lights and everything and <coughs> which were long pending, it would have never happened. The an say It was devastating. During that phase when the rebuilding was going on, it was terrible. But now the residents, essay. It's a tourist place. And the second was Bhuvaneshwar which was hit with another of this uh, funny so funny came flattened everything and after funny has gone away slowly they <laughs> started rebuilding now bhubneswar is so much changed even the again the lighting system all the things they perfected so each destruction is for a greater new creation. And Sri goes on to say, the greater the destruction, the mightier the new creation is going to be. So you see, that's why India has hope. Coming back to India, (laughs) India has gone through how many centuries of progressive destruction of everything possible? From loot and plunder, what else? So, now it is the chance or time given to India now to rise, because it has paid the price, and what a price! I am not sure if any country has paid this kind of price to be constantly subject, constantly subject. One group is leaving, another is coming in. Right, which one after the other, one after the another, and to a land which had men like Bhishma and Sri Krishna's India. <laughs> I mean, Sri Rama's India, where. So, uh, it had to go through it because something even better and higher has to come. So, that is the logic of it. But that he will explain elsewhere, but it's a good point to touch it here. But the greatness of the great again, even in this moment of our soul's despair, In its grim rendezvous with death and fear, no cry broke from her lips, no call for aid. She told the secret of her woe to none. Calm was her face and courage kept her mute. So she, this is, if we look at what a human being should be. So several places Shovindu describes, especially in this next canto. But what a human being should be? What is the one, one definition of courage? That you are calm. You don't start uh, rushing here and there and, Oh, you know, I am afraid this is going to happen, that is going to happen. Come and help me. Look at, I mean, sometimes I wonder, we take things for granted. Look at uh, Rama's life. I mean, in the forest, uh, when Janki is abducted, he neither takes the course of sannyas, saying that this is God's will, like we say, every event on earth is God's will. He could have said, "Bhagwan ki marjie ji, kya hai? Ab sanyas le lunga. Anyways, now I have lost everything. He doesn't do that. Coming out of his kingdom was dharma. Kidnapping of janki is a dharma. So it's not about accepting everything as God's will. Second, he doesn't call for help either from Ayodhya or from Videhraja, Chanak, Mithla. Both had powerful armies. Very powerful armies. That's why Ravana never attacked that side. He doesn't call for help. He takes it all on himself. This is the sign of the great. So, (coughs) Yet only her outward self suffered and (laughs) strove. Even her humanity was half divine. You know, mother once speaks of this story of Queen Elizabeth I. And it's her own story. She says, when she's on deathbed, and a lot of false things were spread around her. People are like that. Always they have been. So, all the peasants came, and finally they marched to the palace. We want bread, we want bread. Now the ministers don't want her to know this truth and she is on deathbed so it's a very good time to make sure that uh, so they she she hears their outright and says, I want to meet them. They are my people. No, Queen, <laughs> Empress. You should not walk. You'll die. She says, death can wait. But death can wait. I must listen to them. These are the great heroic leaders. So slowly he is introducing us to the persona of Savitri. Her spirit opened to the spirit in all. Her nature felt all nature as its own. This morning we were, you know, we read that, that She readily accepted everybody, whoever came to her. (coughs) Apart, living within, all lives she bore. Aloof, she carried in herself the world. Her dread was one with the great cosmic dread. Her strength was founded on the cosmic mights. So, though the action seems like an individual action, it is a cosmic action. So he comes to the avatar, comes to change the law, not rise above the law, not escape the clutches of. Then what is the point? He need not have come down, or to prove that look how great I am. That in the midst of difficulty I vanished like this, doing an impossible miracle. Avatar can I mean. Easily, all these things are possible. Shirobindo knew about the art of even materializing a human being. Yeah, yeah, there are stories like that. Materializing. Literally. Even gods materializing and reaching out. But not going into that story. I have myself shared one of those where, um, I mean, Anmol also knows. So That Agarbatti story. So, they... Uh, 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 I'll tell, I'll, I'll share it. Uh, he could materialize human beings. But, so, he could have easily dematerialized himself or materialized. He knew about People asked him about materializing and dematerializing. He said, yes, it's possible. It's possible even to dematerialize yourself and rematerialize at a distance or in several locations. He said, yeah. But he says, that's not what they have come here to do. People will take you as great, but nothing changes in us. <laughs> <laughs> lot of... Ye chote cheez hai, agar, agar ye sab. Imagine, living creature, complex beings like human beings. See, uh, materializing an uh, elementary physical object is still okay. <clears throat> but materializing even a living being is uh, difficult. And human being is an extremely complex. How can you do it? There is a process. It's not like, uh, "Chalo, aise ho ja to ho gaya. All miracles have a process. So, Shivinda at one place says, There is no miracle. Or we can say, That is a miracle whose process we do not yet know. So, it's not like uh, there is a jadu. There is no jadu in nature. Nature will not allow jadu. Miracles you have to... understand it. No, there are so they experience. call the word, they use the word miracle, but this bringing down or whatever process, there are many steps in the series, many things which can go wrong or right. So he describes the name of the five elements. Yes. So, how ether becomes air becomes fire. so all these things are involved in that process. You can't just, you know, <laughs> suddenly do it. So this is how. Uh, they could do, but they have not come for that. They have come to change the law. So that once they change it, taking upon themselves, then it becomes a new yardstick for everybody. It's like, uh, you know, um, uh, let's say the the leader who, uh, who signs the law, he gets caught. Now, most of the time, it will never happen. But supposing a standing leader of a ruling party gets caught. Now he realizes that actually it is not because of his fault. It is because of the fault of the law. And so he understands now how the law operates, how the prison systems, how horrible they are. And then he comes out and changes them. It is like that. But he will never know it if he just goes on a casual inspection. When you go on an inspection... Everything is kept perfect and everybody is, you know, all up to date. The food is best. So how would you know? So he enters the prison house disguised as a commoner and sees how prisoners are treated, sees that, you know, how people can be framed up and then he he has the way to change. So this is exactly what he is saying it at a highest possible level. The universal mother's love was hers. The universal mother's love was hers. Against the evil, at life's afflicted roots, her own calamity its private sign. So, People would ask, what is, the, what is the big deal about Savitri and Satyavan story? Okay, there was one Satyavan. Okay, see, even if you grant that she revived, so how does it affect our lives? It affects because it's a possibility that the dead can be revived within a certain period of time. Now, today, science accepts this possibility. It's interesting, you know, there are physical instruments created now that within a certain period of time you can bring back. Now, it's not that Savitri has done that, but at least one day man will discover that there are ways and means by which we can bring back from the land of death. The forces that pull you away and hold you in the grip can. Bring you back. Whether you want to come back or know whether it is good or not good is a different story altogether. In ignorance, it is as meaningless to bring back to the same old body and the same old <laughs> maladies. But the idea is her own calamity, its private sign of her pangs, she made a mystic, poignant sword. Lovely line. What do I do? I am having pain, suffering. This person has cheated me. That person has deceived me. What do I do? I am having anguish. So there are all kinds of advices. So she says of her pangs, she made a mystic, poignant sword. Now, what do you do with that sword? Go and kill the person? No. You plunge within your own depths. Slay the ego and release the soul. So it becomes a mystic, poignant sword. A solitary mind, a worldwide heart to the lone immortals, unshared work she does. Nobody can help her in this task. At first life, now a new movement starts, okay, after this background. So, simultaneously, two things are going on. <coughs> One is that he is describing the Known transition, then he is describing Savitri's condition, and then he is connecting it on the physical level. So look how beautifully Sri Aurobindo blends different states of consciousness. So he is saying to the lone immortals' work she rose. Now she rose. She physically rose. She is now waking up from the bed. Because what follows next is, Savitri is waking up from the bed. But at the same time, look at, she rose to the lone immortal's work. How it changes the whole perspective. One is that, that day, the morn came and she rose. But she rose for what? Now, if you look at it, this line need not mean physically rising. She rose for the lone immortal's work. But following lines show it is also a physical rising. See how they blend the outer and the inner. All through in Aurobindo, we will see a beautiful blending of the outer and the inner, of the earth and the divine reality, of the spiritual and the material. At first, life grieved not in her burdened breast. She has opened her eyes. So this, right now, the first, yeah on the lap of earth's original somnolence, inert, released into forgetfulness. (laughs) Temporarily, like all of us, released into forgetfulness. Prone it reposed, unconscious on mind's verge, obtuse and tranquil like the stone and star, in a deep cleft of silence, twixt two realms between... Between the waking and the dream, there is a cleft. Mother speaks of this cleft in great detail uh, when she was um, in France itself. And then when she went to Algeria, she said that uh, there is a moment when I forget. When I am coming, I remember almost the entire journey when I transit from the highest worlds to here. But towards the last bit, I forget something. So, Madame Thion said, because there is still a layer, an envelope, which is not developed <laughs> consciously. So, she spent <laughs> quite some time in becoming conscious of that layer, so that there is no cleft and there is one continuity of memory. <clears throat> she lay remote from grief. Unsown by care Nothing recalling of the sorrow here Then a slow, faint remembrance Then a slow, faint remembrance Shadow-like, moved And sighing she laid her hand Upon her bosom And recognize the close and lingering ache. She loves Satyavan. He is going to die today. Suddenly, you know, all these days, this has (laughs) taken a place here. Deep, quiet, old, made natural to its place. This is a pain she carries within her heart and now it has become (laughs) natural. (laughs) She doesn't have to remember. It just comes back but knew not why it was there, nor whence it came. So first he becomes aware of the sensation, which is because of the deep pain, the attachment, the the suffering, the foreknowledge. The power that kindles mind was still withdrawn. So you will see the stages of sleep here, how we wake up again, just as he has transitioned from night to day, there is a psychological transition also. Almost in the same degree. So, first we wake up, first we are one with the stone and the star. Look the contrast, but all in the state of inertia. Then we wake up, we have not yet, we don't yet remember the burden of the previous day and the future that is going to come. Then, slowly, if supposing, I mean, people don't even remember sometimes severe pains. And then the moment they make the movement, then they, it comes back to them. So like memory brings it back. And yet the mind is still in a state of sleep. <clears throat> Heavy, unwilling are life servitors, like workers with no wages of delight. <clears throat> Sullen the torch of sense, refuse to burn. So, what happens? It's a very interesting, actually, (laughs) physiology. Senses take in as food all the different energies which are impacting us. We just call it sight and sound and taste and smell. That is how we are trained and accustomed. But if you resolve all this, you can resolve all this into... Vibrations. So what was the original purpose of sense? To receive the contact of the world and connect it with the individual. This is their original purpose. But sense origin is also that. How the divine connects with his own world. So there is the divine sense. But divine sense doesn't connect in the ignorant human way. The divine sense transmutes every experience to delight. So, the senses, even now, they still look for channels of joy. Whether it is eyes, now, or ear, or taste, you know, they they look for smell. Uh, they, they are uh, touch. So, they are looking for, <laughs> but delight is too difficult. They cannot bear it. So, they look for joy, for pleasure, things like that. And through that, they grow. Contrary thing is also there. If you don't uh, give this food, if you dry them up, then slowly they refuse to function. So Sri Aurobindo says in one of the letters to Dilip Kumar Roy, it is no part of our yoga to dry up the senses. To them to Transmute, them yes. Them they have to be them transmuted. Them. Now that is the difficult part. But human beings either indulge or in sannyasa, they dry it up. Because, oh, this is all. But at least ordinarily also, senses are originally Now, this is a food for them. So, what happens? Ultimately, who takes this food? The sixth sense, the mind. So, the real enjoyer is the mind. And if you see, we don't enjoy objects. It is the mind that enjoys the object. And the mind can create images to enjoy. That is the interesting part. And one can use it to a lot of advantage. You know, you may be in a prison house and the mind can create objects, fill fill the, your world with objects. But normally we are not trained to do that. That's But that's how great poets and authors, they have used the mind to create a world even though outside everything was. So the mind had a capacity that Regardless of what the senses are drawing from outside, the mind can change it into something else, because it is the master sense. That's why it's called as the sixth sense. Not just that you know six sense means, anything it will sense. Yes, <laughs> that is there. But it is where the integration of senses takes place. So how he is describing all these things in very nutshell, elsewhere he'll describe in detail. The unassisted brain found not its past. Only a vague earth nature held the frame. But now she stirred. Her life shared the cosmic load. At the summons of her body's voiceless call, her strong, far-winging spirit travelled back Back to the yoke of ignorance and fate. She is the Divine Mother's incarnation. She has gone to her worlds, having colloquy with the gods. <laughs> She's called back, come, come, come. This is the work. Right now, here is the mission. Back to the labour and stress of mortal days. Lighting a pathway... Through strange symbol dreams, across the ebbing of the seas of sleep, her house of nature felt an unseen sway. So house of nature is the body and whole process is described in vivid detail, waking a process. Now imagine every aspect of human life and cosmic life has been <laughs> described in Savitri. And in its deepest sense, that's why even Mother said, no, everything is there in Savitri. <clears throat> if you really read, this, uh, read Savitri thoroughly, you'll have the deeper essential knowledge of everything. Of course, if you ask what are the chemicals working inside the senses, that's a different kind of knowledge. But the essential knowledge you will have, enough to practically <laughs> navigate you through life. That's why it's so important to use these senses rightly. So, you know that mantra, which is Bhadram Karnevi. Someone remembers it? Yeah. Ah. 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 Sorry, Bhadram okay. shunne, shunne Amad Deva. Then, eyes ke liye. All these. So, why? So, what is it? It's not uh, just that, you know, I'll shut my eyes. This, this was a strange doctrine. I'll shut my eyes, shut your ears, shut your mouth. Here, there is a different logic. He's saying... May I hear the auspicious. May I see the auspicious. And so why all this? Because so that I can, they can be motivated in the right way to function. So that the mind can be filled with beauty and delight of the divine which uh, we are supposed to receive from the world. Illumine swiftly where life's darkened rooms and memories casements opened on the hours, hmm? Imagery, memory. huh, and they are not they are actual facts. That is how Shabinddu says that you know nothing has been written just for picturesque purpose. The real experiences that's how things happen. only we don't know. oh, this is so beautifully written poetry. No, it's not just poetry. It is how it happens. The memory casements, so memory suddenly opens up the door, and then, so where is memory stored? This is physically scientists are wondering where. Even till date, uh, there are different theories, whether it's the uh, within the cell RNA or whether it's in the portion of the brain. Whether is it in every cell? Where exactly is memory? or is it beyond all of this it's in some kind of information stored somewhere this is the latest cloud computing. <laughs> yeah exactly like cloud computing it's a it's a people speak about it that yeah, like information bits somewhere it is stored now we don't know probably physical uh, things are only processes through which it expresses itself but where is memory exactly located so <laughs> casements opened its doors and there it comes, rushing into it. And the tired feet of thought approached her doors. (laughs) (coughs) All came back to her. Earth and love and doom. Earth nature, she has accepted. Love, which she embodies and brought, and doom, which opposes... So, all three have come, once again back to her. The ancient disputants encircled her. So, love and doom are the ancient disputants. Not life and death, but love and death. Yet doom is... So, how love and death? What is the... Life and death are not opponents. They are two sides of one one process. So how is love and death opposed to each other? So if you see, love's characteristic power is to unite. So from electrons and protons held within the atom, molecules, crystals, uh, actual material objects, they are all because of the ultimately the binding force of love. Okay, so this love, and from there the stars, galaxies, human consciousness, each each level, it takes different forms. Animal level takes a form of attraction to unite, attachment, affection, human love, where it it gets the most distorted, <laughs> because there is lack of spontaneity and all kinds of things that uh, come into it. But still. <laughs> It's a process. To the love with the mystic's heart turning towards the one. To the love that embraces whole creation. So all this is the story of love. Love is uniting. What is death doing? Dividing. So in atoms how does it work? Disintegrating force. In the stars how does it work? Disintegrating force. So that's why he says, uh, thou who are the eater of the remnants of the sun. Death. Sri Aurobindo addresses one place. Savitri tells death, uh, You are the the eater of the cold remnants of the sun. Because it has lost its sight. That is the technical truth. <laughs> See, how do stars die? Actually, it is amazing. Sri Aurobindo's kind of, uh, uh, what shall I say, knowledge even of the most material things. So, uh, after a time, the fuel burns out. So, the star begins to collapse. And literally, it is the sun grows cold. The star grows cold. So, now when it grows cold, what happens? There is something in it. no? There uh, There was an energy, mass. What happens to that? Where does it disappear? So, physicists will find equations for it. But there is a power that eats and grows. It's its job to eat and grow. So, it has its place. All that will come later on with the power that divides. So, its field is largely material nature. See, that is the interesting part. Its field is largely material nature. So, what it does in Savitri, we will see toward the end, it creates a gulf between the soul's demand and the body's limits. And eventually a gulf between the divine and material world. And that is where the is. Because that's the foothold. The stronghold of falsehood, death, ignorance, unconsciousness is matter. And the more we are entrenched in matter, the more we are easily governed by these forces. So it logically goes like, this is the guard. Unka. So they try to bind us by all means. Like sickness, is one means to bind you to, turn your attention back to matter. So, if you get bound, and you'll see, when people are lying in the bed for a long time, slowly, all the forces of disintegration begin to work. This is the way. And then, of course, scientists, we see the later results, processes. What we call as causes are actually results of a chain of things happening behind. And then they lead to more processes but these this is the disintegrating force but if you have to establish a divine life upon earth in material body then you have to take head on the challenge of these forces because matter is the stronghold life also but i mean the plane of life and mind also because ultimately in pralaya even the mental worlds are dissolved but most important is here uh, memory so, there are civilizations which have been wiped out living without leaving a trace. So this this is the challenge between love and doom which earth faces. This battle is nowhere else so precarious because earth is their stronghold. Like, like giant figures wrestling in the night, <coughs> the godheads from the dim inconscient born, awoke to struggle and the pang divine, and in the shadow of her flaming heart, at the somber center of the dire debate, a guardian of the unconsoled abyss now is describing the inconscient, but as the being, the, the being of darkness embodying that. So all this pain and suffering, where does it go ultimately? It feeds that. So it is stored there. So pain is not born with life or man. Shirbindu says that its shadow is born. The moment creation plunged into the inconscient, there is the first birth of suffering. the moment the forces felt cut off. It's there in Savitri in the book of fate that it the moment the forces of creation got cut off from the divine, they plunged into inconscient. And then they realized what has happened. So a cry of anguish. So you see, in the inconscient, there is constantly an anguish, a pain, a sense of suffering, separation. It takes weird expression in human beings. So the more suffering and anguish we are experiencing, means the inconscient's hold is very strong upon the nature. It is the cry of the abyss. So, what is it longing for? Fill me, fill me, fill me. Not F I L M Y, sorry. F I double L M E. Fill me. That's how you know when people experience these states of loneliness. So, the difference between being lonely and being alone. So, being lonely is, oh, I'm so lonely. I wish I had somebody. Now, this is because like an abyss is demanding somebody to love, somebody to care. Ultimately, it is seeking that divine love which alone can fulfill. But divine love is too far for it. At least that's what it feels. So it clutches on to anything. And the moment it clutches, it eats it up. And by eating, it destroys the very source of what could nourish it. So there is the primitive kind of love where a person swallows and destroys the one whom he loves. Isn't it? So now you understand psychologically how it operates, the inconscient operates. So there is the wrestle going on. It swallows it up. It wants that love because it knows that only can heal the abyss because originally love has gone into the abyss to rescue creation. So since then this struggle is going on and because of the labour of love, literally the labour of love, Creation is being pulled out of this chaos and it has come up to man. So up till now, all the rounds ultimately, <laughs> love is winning. Now is the penultimate round where you can cross over. <laughs> so <clears throat> so he is describing it's guardian of the unconsoled abyss. You cannot, except for the divine love, there is no other way it can be healed. Inheriting the long agony of the globe, a stone still figure of high and godlike pain. See, several places we'll see here. Shurvindho, actually, we talk about adverse forces and hostile forces and all these things. But Shurvindho said, uh, Mother says that Shurvindho ultimately believed in oneness. That was the master note. So, we should know there are hostile forces adverse forces but they are not the original reality they they are not otherwise we become like you know other religions there is uh, goya the, behind them also there is the one so you see he spoke about god like when he's talking about doom and love again god like pain <coughs> stared into space with fixed regardless eyes that saw grief's timeless depths but not life's goal. So, (laughs) as I said, psychologically when you look at it, there are times when we feel there is no goal in life. All this is meaningless. Goalless, meaningless. Again, why? In this fellow inconscient is... Creeping in somewhere through some thought suggestions. So we should be careful. Afflicted by His harsh divinity, bound to His throne, He waited. (laughs) Bound to His throne, He waited unabased the daily oblation of her unwept tears. She has not wept. But this fellow is waiting, waiting for her to come one day. Look at it, you can read this in various ways. Ravana is waiting all his life. One day, I will have the divine love. But unfortunately, the fellow loses his one chance of a lifetime. The moment he saw Mother Sita, he would have fallen at her feet and said, Maa, bacha but by then he is so much in this momentum of illusion of victory he says oh just a woman because now he has got used to this pattern and idea though for her he has waited all his life is a waiting for mother Sita to come and redeem him and then she is she agrees to go and so same way we see here that he is waiting all the fierce question of man's hours relived, the sacrifice of suffering and desire, earth offers to the immortal ecstasy, began again beneath the eternal hand. Nobody's bike is there. Bike is there. The sacrifice of suffering and desire earth offers to the immortal ecstasy began again beneath the eternal hand. So, it is waiting. Human beings are crying, weeping, all their tears. Oifarakne! Let God Himself come and perform the sacrifice. Then I will see... You see, that's what happens. The titan chooses to wrestle with the divine. Divine <laughs> says, so be it. So now the divine mother herself comes, assumes a human face and says, so be it. And here he starts, she starts the suffering, the sacrifice of suffering and desire. Awake, she endured the moments, serried march and looked. Again you see now, He brings us back to now, she's awake. (laughs) So she is for a while resting, and all these figures have come. So awake, she endured the moments, serried march, and looked on this green, smiling, dangerous world. (laughs) That's what this world is. Green. Green. Smiling, dangerous. Why should it be one-sided? Either we say, oh, this is an ugly world. But all is not ugly. There is beauty also sprawling in the fields of God. So there is here beauty and charm and joy and danger and difficulty and pain all together. It's a package. <clears throat> and heard the ignorant cry of living things. This line is so powerful. So she wakes up. So normally when we wake up, cup of tea or whatever our agenda, she is the divine. What What does the divine experience? Cry of living things. ma, maa, taraf se chitkar ho ra hai. Come mother, come mother. Even in her sleep she was doing it. When uh, someone asked uh, Sri Aurobindo that so and so had passed away last night and I had prayed to mother. Did the mother hear the calls? She said, shivinda says, thousands of calls come to her every minute and she responds to them. But obviously, she would not remember it like an encyclopedia, yet if she wants, she can access those memories. Thousands of calls are coming every minute. Mother also later on says the same thing. So... Amid the trivial sounds, the unchanging scene, her soul arose, confronting time and fate. Immobile in herself, she gathered force. This was the day when Satyavan must die. You see, the dawn is the day when Satyavan must die. Look at now the beauty of uh, uh, Sri how he has organized Savitri. Where does Savitri begin? It begins from the end. Mm -hmm. Okay? And where does Savitri end? It ends with a new beginning. Mm -hmm. See, if you read Savitri, the last line is, you can see it right now. Yes. And in her bosom nursed a greater dawn. And it begins with the thick of the night, of the day, when Satyavan must die. Mm. So, uh, this itself that we think about end and beginning as two different things, but they are connected so deeply with each other. So, he is a master poet, you know, only he can do like this. And uh, he has put it in the beginning to make it clear what this story is about. And this is the day. So, in the second canto, when she wakes up, the issue. So, what is the issue about Satyavan's death? What is the problem? What is the big deal? People die. So, what is the issue about death? A lot of people will say that. Just accept it. It's part of life. Make the most of what yet you can until and to the dust we descend. (laughs) Dust unto dust and under dust to lie. Sans wine, sans song, sans singer, sans sen. What is there? Live beautifully, die gracefully. This is one kind of thought. So he must describe what really is the issue. What is the problem? It's not just about death. For death's sake, that no, we must be saved for the sake of preserving our longevity. But there is a deeper issue. That will be revealed in this canto. And then after that, from Canto 3 onwards, there will be a long journey that she has woken up, she has to confront. Today is the day of D-Day. So, but how did she come? Now people want to know. Savitri I have introduced. Imagine the uh, a cinematographic <laughs> canvas. It is starting with utter darkness and slowly the cosmos is the canvas. Stars slowly lit up, then slowly things fading, light coming up and then as light falls, people are moving and Savitri is waking up. Okay? So then she has introduced Savitri. But what has Savitri come here for? That is the next step. Okay. <clears throat> so, Canto to the issue. So, now she is woken up. So, people want to know what really is the storyline. So, the Sutradhar is revealing to us the storyline. So what is the issue that is being taken up in Savitri? Outwardly, it looks like Savitri is Satyavan's death and rescue. <coughs> but if it is just that, then it's not worth probably, you know, uh, taking it up as a whole epic. <coughs> but first he <it> describes... <coughs> Weaving this canto into the second one, as Savitri wakes up, what is the next, next state of consciousness? A while withdrawn in secret fields of thought, her mind moved in a many-imaged past that lived again and saw its end approach. Dying, it lived <coughs> imperishably. Dying, it lived imperishably in her. Transient and vanishing from transient eyes. So though we think the past is gone, but it lives somewhere within us. Some sub- part, even thinks of the past life and it becomes a drag toward the future. Invisible, a fateful ghost of self. It bore the future on its phantom breast. Along the fleeting events, far backward trail, Regress the stream of the insistent hours. You know, she is going back in time. Today is the day then, you know, how she came, how they met each other, and before that, and the whole trail of time. Uh, (laughs) Possibly the entire cosmic past. And on the bank of the mysterious flood, peopled with well-loved forms, now seen no more. And the subtle images of things that were, her witness spirit stood reviewing time. Now you see how Sri describes when she is reviewing. So this is like, you know, like a psychic reviewing of a whole. Up till now she has grown up to this age. And within that period, What all she has seen, experienced, all that she once had hoped and dreamed and been, flew past her eagle winged through memory skies. So all her hopes, dreams, childhood aspirations, everything suddenly fly past. As in a many-hued flaming inner dawn, her life's broad highways... And its sweet bypaths lay mapped to her sun clear recording view from the bright country of her childhood's days. So now, step by step, he's saying that how they are going before the inner screen. <clears throat> See, in this review, she's not reviewing with a burdened heart. Today I'm going to die. Or my husband is going to die, oh my life, who made my life like this? No. That life's broad highways, street bypaths, everything she's seeing, a total picture. This is how the psychic sees life. Lay mapped to her sun-clear recording view from the bright country of her childhood's days and the blue mountains of her soaring youth. This is the Madra kingdom. And the paradise grooves and peacock wings of love. To joy clustered under the silent shadow of doom. In a last turn where heaven raised with hell. Twelve passionate months led in a day of fate. So, it's of course majestic, (laughs) marvelous. So, she has seen this. Now we'll read these six, seven lines, <laughs> then stop. They are very powerful lines. Always to remember, <clears throat> because often in life, uh, darkness comes. It comes in everybody's life. Unfortunately, we think that time we are singled out, but it's part of the journey. <laughs> As uh, when we were a child, we were told, God saw the suffering. What is Even Rama and Krishna and Christ and Buddha, they all went through this path. So, who are we? Equally, to, there was a sobering thought. When, you know, thought about tyrants and titans. Ravan or Kansai, they will <laughs> Ye <kaun>? hai? <laughs> so, these were such uh, small little sayings, which were so spontaneous, but reflective of a profound truth. <laughs> An absolute, supernatural darkness falls on man sometimes when he draws near to God. Because, uh, you know, until everything is taken away, either you (laughs) decide, I am going to leave these clutches and supports and turn directly. Then everything will be there in your life, but you have turned. That is a sunlit path. Or, if no, then they are removed from you. That's why mother used to say, uh, if you turn (laughs) turn to divine and say, I am yours, it's a serious thing. If the divine accepts it, then (coughs) whatever (laughs) prevents you, nothing in the world will be able to hold you back. If you cling to it, it will be taken away. So you have to be Very careful. So, stay in a state of detachment. You be in the world, but not of the world. So, it is safe to those around and it is safe for your journey. Otherwise, it will be like a tearing, which is not what divine wants. An hour arrives when fail all nature's means. Forced out from the protecting ignorance, and flung back on his naked primal need he at length must cast from him his surface soul and be the ungarbed entity within now does it remind of any story actually savitri there are several several passages which i'm sure they have not i mean they have not been written with that conscious thought that i'm putting in a story here because it's not a mental creation but a supramental creation but sometimes it falls so appropriate to certain uh, stories which we read in our legends. To me, these lines always reminded of the story of Draupadi's chirharan. <clears throat> Literally, you see, he is using the word, ungarbed, naked, supernatural darkness. Imagine the most powerful Kings are there And they have ordered sanction And her own Husbands Who are as mighty If not more Are helpless Look at the play of destiny And one would say How adverse But that is the moment of apocalypse So all supports The surface soul Surface soul Is clinging to Bhima To Arjuna To yudhishthira To Drunacharya To Bhishma they are the guardians. So when all that is taken away, then she is ready for meeting the divine. You know That is why it is sometimes said, Adhirat Prabhu Darshan Devi. It doesn't mean that midnight I will go and sit in the cemetery and get Darshan. It is the dark night of the soul. And during that moment when all props are taken away, it's our chance for God to come in. And say, I am your eternal bedfellow and I am here. Are you willing to be with me? But we are still looking for, we don't even notice that's uh, her problem. That hour had fallen now on Savitri. So, also, can be when Krishna tells the gopis that you come out of the water with your hands up in the air without any fabric. Yeah. Yeah but that story comes elsewhere so all the story but yeah we can but here it is krishna it is not a darkness it is a light which has come it is a light also. Huh. The of the, uh, this thing this darkness yeah it is it is it is, it is total darkness. darkness i mean imagine for her right, right, right. and she had so much support Draupadi's parents are exceptionally powerful beings her husbands are extre- exceptionally powerful beings. Her in-laws' family is the most <laughs> powerful family that time, other than Yadu clan. I mean, Yadavas were the as mighty as the Kurus, and at that t- point of time, nobody is there. Uh, nobody is there to help her. And then that is the time uh, she seeks help within a point she had reached, where life must be in vain or in her unborn element awake, her will must cancel her body's destiny. So this is where we have to uh, remember that when this point comes, we have a choice to make. Either we accept and succumb. Life is like that. Or else, we wake up the will to conquer, regardless of what. And that changes our destiny. That decides the course of destiny. So this is where I think we can stop. Courage is is an aspect of will. But will is more central. Courage is born out of it. It's like a Godhead born out of that. But if there is no will, there will be no courage. But there can be yeah yeah it will come spontaneously. sankalp. or maybe two more lines we can just read. yeah. For only the unborn spirit's timeless power can lift the yoke imposed by birth in time. Only the self that builds this figure of self can raise the fixed interminable line that joins these changing names, these numberless lives, these new oblivious personalities. This we will read tomorrow. But essential thing is that there is on one side the body's destiny, the earthly events, happenings. On the other side there is the soul within, which actually is the master of destiny. It is the master of all the forces, only it doesn't know it's like a prince who doesn't know he has the powers so it is asleep and therefore it has to the body has to go through what it has to go through so this is the time it must awake and awake the will to conquer okay so we'll uh, meet tomorrow uh, 945 we'll we can start now this we'll be able to finish no problem